a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the small thermal exhaust port to my Death Star, it is John Campbell. Oh man, I am your greatest weakness. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, here it is, folks. We've reached the end of, uh, I can't wait to see how this turns out. What's gonna happen? (laughs) We've made that joke three times now. I know. (laughs) And I'll make it some more. Uh, I will never stop. Yeah, we're we're finishing up the Star Wars A New Hope manga adaptation this week. Yes, indeed. The fourth and final issue of this, our most favorite adaptation of uh, Star Wars A New Hope thus far? I think absolutely. It is far and away the most interesting uh, adaptation. It's the one that stands on its own. And like I said, if you're going to own one, this is the one I think is worth owning just as a piece of art for sure. Absolutely. We've said often that there are quite a few pages in these books that we would love to have as prints in our homes. Well, yeah, Uh, because like I said, this also, this one is the, this is the, this one is an actual artistic interpretation of the movie as opposed to the other ones that feel like just sort of marketing material. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, we are on uh, issue number four, uh, basically the same creative team as before. Uh, This one probably released December 2nd, 1998, because our information's a little bit shaky. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Uh, But we have got uh, Hiseo Tamaki, the person who is in charge of the art for this book. person or people or... Person or persons. Yeah. Uh, We've got Tom Orzakowski on letters and art retouches. We've got Adam Warren and Joseph White on the covers. And obviously adapted by the script by George Lucas. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, who? <laughs> just a, I, I, uh, has he done anything? I just, else? I saw, yeah, uh, American Graffiti. There was a trailer oh, in the th- in the theater for a re-release of American Graffiti that oh, I hell saw yeah. just the other day. Oh yeah, and uh, I, I turned to the person go to the theater with me. I was like, "Have you ever seen American Graffiti?" Uh, and and she goes, "No, I've never even heard of that movie." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's fair." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always the it's the Francis Ford Coppola thing about Star Wars robbed us of the guy who made American Graffiti, and I don't think he's wrong. Like, <laughs> the, 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 it, the, there is not a lot in that movie that immediately leads you to Star Wars, and you're like, oh look, the birth of like an indie character driven filmmaker. Oh, never mind. American <laughs> Graffiti is so interesting, although it is where he first meets Harrison Ford. So, so. it's true. Seeing baby faced Harrison Ford in that movie yeah. is something Plain- else. A character not dissimilar to Han Solo, I'll just say. Not not Han Solo. Yeah, he's a hot rodder of the night. Anyway, if you haven't seen American Graffiti, go watch it. There is a, a, a recent, and that's probably what they're showing in theaters, a really nice 4K restoration that came yeah. out recently that is gorgeous. Uh, I'm a big fan of that movie, so... But it is, uh, yeah, a much different. Uh, but story. but let's talk about the thing that ruined George Lucas, and that is Star Wars. <laughs> it it both made and ruined him. I do think that Coppola, like I said, is not wrong. Um, <laughs> we got this cover here that very much promises us some sort of some form of trench run in this. I think there may or may not be a trench run in this issue, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, so- we got this Adam Warren cover here. We got uh, the the classic. Uh, this is uh, something I think of all the time in anime specifically because it's done a lot in like mech 
uh, anime, like Gundam and whatnot, where you have, like, the superimposed action of the vehicle and then the person inside the vehicle expressing some emotion while the vehicle is moving. I definitely, um, one of my only real, like, anime or manga loves is Speed Racer, and I definitely Mm. have some Speed Racer collections that have covers similar to this. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And that, that is a show that pioneered the vehicle moving while face is being displayed while the person is moving shot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I do have a great affinity for Speed Racer. So, um, uh, so we go through, we've got our normal, uh, the beginnings of these now are like, huh? Star Wars? They're, they tell us once again about the flipping of the. The mirror. Yeah. Again, the art here has been compromised. Um. <laughs> it has. It has. I feel like actually the last issue had the least of that we've seen. Issue three. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that was like really noticeable for me was that there are moments in the movie where people are going in directions down corridors that mm-hmm. were obviously flipped in this book that made me yeah. go, no, Han moves to the left here. Right, right, right. Yeah. But and that's, eh, that's, it doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is deal. what it is. I understand why they did it, even if it's you know a compromise. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, let's open up the book here. Because people to... can't read things right to left because we're dumb Americans. And what you would be interesting actually is, I feel it, it probably wouldn't matter in this. Would it not? It would matter less. I feel like digitally. Um. You don't have at least the strange starting point of of reading the book from the other end. Yeah, yeah. I think it would matter a lot less digitally because you're still like r- flipping through the pages in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've read manga online that does is you do still read it right to left, but you right. flip the pages next one by hitting the next button. That's at least not right a. It's, what I'm saying is that at least it cuts like half of the bizarre, you know, to to us as Western readers. Yeah, it's like subtitles in a movie, though. Too, you just get used to stuff, right? You you can yeah, and I, anything. You get. I've read enough it. manga at this point that's just like, okay, I flip this way. That's just how like, I yeah. Read it's it. the same thing with me and and watching foreign films. It's like I don't want to read the subtitles. I go, I don't even really think about it. I just watch a movie, yeah. and it's it is what it is. All right, mm-hmm. so we're coming out of the where we last left our heroes. They were being pursued by Tie Fighters after escaping the Death Star. Uh, yeah, we start off with this big double page spread of the Falcon just uh, zooming out of space. Too. I yeah. like that it's coming out like this. You know, it's coming out with the top side down. I thought that was really cool. Which is weird because, again, the art is flipped. So it reads as that's the correct side that the cockpit should be on. So when I first read this page, I was like, oh, uh, that's just how it normally looks. Wait, no, hold on. <laughs> right. No, it's upside down. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, 3PO scared. Yeah, well, 3PO has been, like, uh, bound up in wires because there was an explosion, and that's a thing that happens in the movie, is him getting, like, Uh tossed around while this is all happening. And then the immediate, the the, the juxtaposition of these two pages of, that's it, we did it, yay! And then cut to, oh, this is all part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. And, And that's, like, this right here is what people often use to try to defeat the argument that stormtroopers can never hit anything, right? It's right. like letting them escape was all part of the plan. Absolutely. And, oh God, any pose of Tarkin. D- does Tarkin spend like 90% of his day just staring out at the stars? This is always what I think of Tarkin is just like, yes. I'm convinced yeah. that Tarkin is double-jointed by the amount of time he spends with his hands clasped behind his back. 
<laughs> and that's, I mean, Cushing was all that. That's so much of his physicality. One of the great things about his Tarkin performance is that ramrod straight military precision. He's already a super sleek, skinny dude, and then he's just this like yes. I mean, we always uh, a friend of the show, Brendan Jones, and I always love the charming to the last. Mm-hmm. Just this idea that everything with him is precise and proper, you know. I love the the line here. This we're taking an awful risk, Vader. This had better work. Mm-hmm. And Vader only have you never see any parts of the face of his mask. He is just this dark shadow. And once again, a totally God damn. This book's Vader is so cool. <laughs> He's so cool. But then you also have this Tarkin who's never intimidated by that. He's just like, "Hey, pal, mm-hmm. you're taking a big risk here." Just the idea that Tarkin is like, I will have your ass for this if it doesn't work. <laughs> I love it. That's one of the things I love about Tarkin. He's the one like human character, like totally human, non-force powered character. Just like, hey, buddy, don't forget who's in charge. And yeah. that Vader, whether he's just sort of going along with it, at the very least does kind of back down a little bit from Tarkin. Like there's still a chain of command. You know, he may be just doing it for his purposes of the moment. But in that movie, when he's like, that's enough, Vader, and he does it, you're like, oh, shit, Tarkin is, wow, this guy, man. Yeah, again, the read that Tarkin is the main antagonist of the first Star Wars movie is not incorrect. 100%. And that's actually one of the things that I think really works about that script as part of the franchise, is Vader is a a henchman, structurally, in that movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, we cut back to our heroes after they got loose, and we yeah. get some really that good Han Leia dialogue here. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it for me, sister. Yeah, <laughs> I always loved him calling her sister. <laughs> Nothing better than your worshipfulness, though. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, a little bit of a manga overreaction from Leia here. She's <laughs> running away. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and your friend's quite the mercenary. And Luke Skywalker being like, oh, what? <laughs> I like the. I find that the Han manga uh, reactions are better because even though they're still cartoonish, they're a little bit more fitting of his character that like, and then Luke being like, what? The deadpan, like, I'm so over this attitude that Solo that, has is really that, exemplified. Yeah, yeah. I think, that, I think that that is evocative of the Harrison Ford performance where I feel like they are uh, the cartoonish style is actually accentuating some of the worst aspects of Hamill's performance. <laughs> uh, I love this next page, though, because while it is pretty cartoony, the absolutely I'm fucking with this kid nature of the, the Han Luke interaction Han here. Stuff is great. Once again, I have almost no issues with any of the Han stuff. <laughs> Luke's eyebrows literally turning into these lines, though, like. <laughs> Because, yeah, Han's got his classic, like, still, she's got a lot of spirit. I don't know. What do you think? You think the princess and a guy like me and, yeah, Luke turning into just angry emoji face. No. Yeah, because I actually really like the way Hamill does that in the movie. It's such a flat, just like, no. Mm -hmm. And here there's Uh, like, no. But it's played up because we then clearly get this shot of... Uh, Han with this like Cheshire cat grin of just like Uh he's clearly fucking with this. No, the Han stuff, like I said, I think they really nail the tone of of the Han performance. So, Mm -hmm. uh, boy, once again, talk about another just great individual image 
is the Falcon coming out of hyperspace here on this next page. Yeah, heading towards the Evan 4. So cool. Yeah. This is one of those pages where it's like, I wish we had color because Yavin, the uh, the gas giant, is such an evocative, like it's a great uh, colorful yeah. image in the Absolutely. movie. Yeah, it's 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 one of the planets that most stands out when you just see it in the the you know Atlas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I like uh, once again being able to take the time in this longer form of we're going at the planet onto the surface, getting but, a sense of it. But what not, kind of moon is it, John? I, I can't tell. There's no uh, glaring text bubbles telling me what kind of moon this is. How am I supposed to know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because this is really effectively doing what we complained about the 70s adaptation of taking way too much time. This just presents it. Here's the planet. Here's the trees. There's a rustle of something. It's the planet's alive in some way. And then is it choked with jungle growth? How would I? How am I supposed to know without yeah. the words telling me, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of my big <laughs> issues. And I was just having this conversation once again with Brendan Jones, who's a huge fan of classic comic books, and sure. I am a more of an appreciator from like a historical standpoint of classic comics. But I was talking about basically anything before 1980. I I struggle with because they're just so overwritten. I think it really depends on the writer because sometimes they yeah. use all of that verbose prose well, to accentuate a mood. The, a la Claremont the, in his best say, times. I was gonna say the 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 exception there is always Claremont because it's so well done and he's yes he's it's additive right it's not. I, I would say that Simonson is also very good. Both Simonsons, in fact, Walt and uh, Louise, correct. Um, Louise, yeah are both very good at that sort of thing. By the way, is um, back over on Superman, which I'm very excited about. She's back writing in the Superman world again, Louise Simonson. Oh, cool. Which makes me very happy. Um, But the that is not the norm in that era of comic books where a lot of the time it feels like, looking at you, Roy Thomas, uh, yeah. the, the words are there to re-describe what you're already seeing as art. Oh, I'm sorry. She's not back over in Superman. She's writing Jean Grey for. She's writing the Jean Grey. Ooh, oh, that's way more exciting for me personally because yeah, yeah. her X Factor run is really good. Yeah, that's what she's doing, and that's a lot of Jean Grey stuff there. Yeah, so she's currently writing a Jean Grey solo series for which I haven't read yet, but I'm excited to check out because yeah, I mean, I think of her on the X books and on the Superman books as some of her best stuff. She created totally. Steel for God's sake, and I love Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, all right. Anyway, back to Gavin. We're back to complaining this. about stuff that's not happening here. My favorite here, they're just showing us the art. My favorite character in all of Star Wars, the sad, lonely guy who has to stand up on that post. <laughs> <laughs> Is well, there a bathroom up here? No, no. You got a bucket. Is anyone... Is it, what is... How do you expect me to... All right. Nobody <laughs> likes this guy, right? They're just like, yeah, put Dave up in the crow's nest. Yeah, he'll be fine up there. He can check the speeds of stuff coming in. It's fine. He's got one headphone in. He's listening to his podcast. He kind of <laughs> likes it up there, honestly. Doesn't have to deal with all of the stuff down here in the hangar. Oh, my God. The the, the podcast of the Star Wars world. I'm Today on This American Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ira Glass. This is This Tatooine Life. <laughs> for today three acts <laughs> you ever noticed a Jawa who's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a rainy day on the streets of uh, Nalhada and we find our victim yes who would eventually become murdered bling bling bling, bling. <laughs> it's always that same music in every true crime podcast I swear is that bling, yeah bling. <laughs> uh, all right uh, oh 
love this giant panel of the fleet of ships in the hangar. Yeah. Got our Y wings, got our X wings. Uh, we got. Uh, I don't never. I actually don't know this character's name. It's the guy who comes up and greets them uh, when he comes in because it's not General <laughs> Dodonna. That's Beardface. He comes later, dude. If you don't know the name of somebody, I sure as hell don't know the name of somebody. Uh, yeah. I mean, Dodonna was like a somewhat recent knowledge for me that that was the... He was always bearded. It's beard for say. Um, yeah. So he's, yeah, even here, he just calls him Commander. Uh, yep. Anyway, so everybody's here. Everybody's happy that they're there and alive after... We got to get the information out of R2. But then, uh, then we get this next big splash page. Oh. We get guess who shows showing up at Yavin. It's of course the Death Star. And it's so cool the way this is drawn because it's like the death. It makes it seem like in some of those, just the perspective is like the Death Star is either as big, if not bigger, than Yavin Four. Look at this yeah. huge, imposing thing. I always love the Death Star. I love so much of the marketing for Rogue One being that. Death Star in the sky. Like, I just like the idea of this, just like, holy shit. Even before that, you know what this thing does, just that looks like a super weapon. That's no moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I love cool. the, uh, th this book has done it a couple of times, but I think this page does it well, uh, as well, which is, uh, the idea that the Death Star is so big that when it like comes out of hyperspace, it disturbs space around yeah. it when it yeah. appears. Exactly. And it's doing this like it's not it's not doing like a whooshing sound. It's doing this like, oh, it's just this slow impending thing that's coming through. Yeah, it's not portrayed necessarily as fast as much as it's just portrayed as this force. Yeah. Here it comes. I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so now we get uh, our old friend Beardface to Donna. Uh, hey, there's the Donna. And, and a bunch of other pilots that... Uh, we barely recognize because they all kind of have the same face here. Yep. But the approach will not be easy. And you know, it's because bam, <laughs> here comes Emerald Lagasse going bam. Uh, uh, and we have another moment here where in the movie, the movie just stops to show us a technical readout for like a minute. <laughs> it really does. All right. Take a look at this next slide. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so everybody's tired. But yeah. It turns out if they hit a, uh, a precise, point it'll cause a chain reaction who knew <laughs> thanks. i'll tell you who knew galen urso galen urso Very yeah good. thanks galen <laughs> urso is magic mickelson one of the secret heroes of star wars you know it 100 percent. that's basically the premise of that whole movie yeah and also what's one of my favorite things in that movie is just uh here we're gonna make a two-hour movie to explain <laughs> something that people have been joking about forever and it's like boom there it is that's right it's mads mickelson folks yeah also nice to see a, a rare American movie that uses them in a heroic role. Yeah, true, 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 true. Uh, so Luke being like, ah, I've hit Womp Rath with my T-16 back home. Uh, we can do this. Uh, but uh, do you think anybody was ever just like, what a goddamn hayseed, am I right? Come oh, on. 100%. Like people in that uh, briefing are just like, who the fuck is this nobody <laughs> coming out of nowhere? <laughs> Backwater farm kid is telling us what to do. Yeah, Womp somewhere rat. in the back of the room, Biggs Darklighter is going, son of a bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, the Death Star continues to gurn at the planet. Um, oh, it's it's gurning in some big ways. Yeah. Because uh, we get 
Tarkin and Vader here again. Uh, I like Vader's little, like, just kind of subtle congrat- self-back-patting here. It's like, I got Kenobi. We're going to blow up the Rebellion. What a great day. Yeah, this is going to be pretty great, right, Tarkin? Come on, man. Come on. This is going to be pretty sweet. Tarkin, Tarkin. Yeah. Up top. Yeah. Come up on. top, Tarkin. Come on, man. <laughs> Give it up for evil. Give it up for evil. Come on. <laughs> Oppressive dictatorships for the win. This is what it's about. Oh, the Emperor's going to be so happy. I can't wait to go tell him. I've already got his number dialed in. Let me just... Like They're going to call this guy immediately. Uh, okay. All right. Question. If Vader needs to vi- dial a phone number, is it on his panel on his chest? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Okay, okay. okay. Just making and sure. Some of those are speed dial. <laughs> like the first button just goes right to Palpatine. Yeah, 100%. Okay. These these are my favorites. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I've got right, Next get- page, we've got all the, the fighters getting to your station. Yep. Uh, and then, running. what's this? Han Solo's leaving. With what? his, once again, always love trunks full of money. <laughs> well, look, the the Rebellion has a strict banking system that involves trunks, okay? I've always loved the idea of this, like, here's Han's reward, and it's just crates. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, Han's like, I gotta get out of here, man, because I got some old debts. There's a big slug guy who wants money, <laughs> and he's gonna kill me. And Luke, of course, is pissed, as per usual. Yeah. Uh, but I do like this last panel here because it does reinforce this moment that the other adaptations really haven't with Luke being like, yeah, all right, well, you take care of yourself then. I guess that's what you're best at, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Han, not even turning around, yeah. I like this beat here, saying like, hey, Luke, may the force be with you. Yeah. It's like, that. that's as much as I'm willing to give you. Yeah. He wants the best for Luke, but it's like, what am I going to get all sappy here? Mm-hmm. That's probably what you want to hear. You stupid, my best friend though, uh, scruffy looking. Who's scruffy looking? Yeah, I mean that's that's always Han Solo's thing, right? Is he would be like, whatever. I love Luke as my brother, but I would never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feelings. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we get yeah. Leia okay. and Luke meeting up before he takes off. We get a brief smooch. Let's not linger on it. It's fine. It's still. Chase, though a little bit more romantic than the one we saw when they uh, swung across the the you know in the Death Star, because and you only know this because it has a heart above it. Yeah, and it is a reaction seemingly to him saying, "I wish my dead friend was here." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I wish my dead old man best friend. Is Obi Wan the beginning of young people with old man best friends that was so much of the eighties? Because so much of the, I mean, I, I'm not the first person to talk about this. So much of the movies we grew up on were about like teenage boys with old man best friends. When was the like trucker CB craze? Because I feel like there was a lot of that there too. That's right around the same time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, because you got to keep in mind the Star Wars was the number one movie in 1977. Number two movie in 1977, Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, I was going to say, where does Smokey and the Bandit fall into that spectrum? They're right there at the same time. In fact, the Fox was actually really scared of Smokey and the Bandit when they put Star Wars out. They thought, oh, shit, we're (laughs) going to get destroyed by Smokey and the Bandit, which, once again, was a massive hit. It was just number two to Star Wars. In hindsight, that's so funny. It's so funny, though. They were just like, oh, shit, we've got Star Wars, but they've got Smokey and the Bandit. That thing (laughs) is going to be the movie of the year. 
people really don't understand how popular CB radios were for a brief slice of the late 70s and early 80s. CB radios and legitimately, and people can laugh at this, the number one box office star in the world at the time was Burt Reynolds. He was the most popular leading man. And I know that seems like, because he's become this, you know, kind of figure of derision, which is not fair. I do love Burt Reynolds, but yes, I keep in mind. I think it's a little fair. Uh, there, there, there is a distinct and smoking the band is the beginning of it. There's a distinct time when he kind of stopped acting uh, and was just mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds in every movie, and that's what they're deriding. Um, <laughs> and that's fair. Uh, all right, all pilots. Uh, speaking of guys with mustaches, <laughs> man, this is how they they really could have goosed Star Wars even more if this had been Burt Reynolds. Hey, uh, how you doing there, Luke? So here's an interesting beat in this adaptation which Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know how i feel about it in the first issue of this i lauded the ability for them to work in the initial bigs sequences as Mm -hmm. like remembrances from luke right and that made me think that going into this fourth issue we'd maybe get a little bit of a better emphasis on bigs and have it make more contextual sense yeah and it really doesn't (laughs) i I think it speaks to something which is just Biggs, I, I, no offense to the guy who played him or anything, but I just think needed to be excised entirely. Really, yeah. He, just, he, he didn't work. He just it was it was it's it's a good idea on paper, but yeah. I think even if you included both of those scenes in the movie, it still wouldn't have had an impact. It's still he's just not necessary. We just don't care about that relationship, especially and the fact that like Luke, yeah. Luke never lingers on this other friend he has, except for these two poles at the end of the film. That's, and so the fact that there's no mention or reference to him for the intervening hour. That's what I mean. It's still that. And so that's what I'm saying. They, they, I've always been of the opinion that they should have, once they deleted the beginning stuff, they needed to delete this. But I would also say, I just think even if it was there, it's still, yeah, you're right. It's like, oh, remember that guy? Even if you left that in and then it comes back here, you still would have gone like, remember that guy from the opening that you've now completely forgotten because you've met six characters you like more? You know, yeah. it, it just, yeah, I just don't, I, I understand the idea of it. He was trying to put personal stakes in the thing, but it kind of, he already, and he already lost. That's another thing too. Big's death means nothing in comparison to losing Obi-Wan. It just yeah. dramatically doesn't work. And I think, this shows that even when you include both things, you're still like, yeah, I, I just don't care. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, we big. get some very, very rude engineers saying R2 isn't up to snuff here. Yeah, holy shit, man. Get off the ass. But we get all the little sequences of all the people moving around all the all hangar. Uh, as as a uh, starship nerd who loves procedure, this is my jam, man. I love them fueling <laughs> up stuff. You want to see them pulling hoses out of things and gesturing for things to move forward slowly. Leaning slightly (laughs) more towards Star Trek makes sense because it's all about just like, "Mm, I could hear people talk about isolinear chips and dilithium chambers all day. I love that procedure. We need uh, to recompress the plasma coils all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we just all we have, we have to eject the cord, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's. Just, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I love and I love all this stuff too. I love the Top Gun and Star Wars. That's why I want that Rogue Squadron movie. I love the idea of just how how insane and wild and fantastic this world is, but still, like you've got guys on the ground signaling ships out and stuff like that. It just makes everything feel more real and tactile. There's people running around with jobs. Do you yeah. buy? I think that was something Lucas was so good about was how real everything felt, even in the context of this fantastical world. 
Well, it's half of what makes, like, on paper, some pretty boring characters in Battlestar Galactica so compelling. Yeah. In terms of, like, the whole engineering crew. 100%. No, no, no. You need this ground crew or else the ships don't fly. And if the ships don't fly, we're not going to have our exciting space battles and everybody dies. Oh, boy, you better believe. I I mean, I was, we were both massive Battlestar fans. And, boy, that that gives you some real nice ship nerd stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that stuff (laughs) is great. Um. So, uh, we get even more of it here on this next page as everyone's like putting in hoses and taking off hoses and giving thumbs ups and everyone's taking you've off. You've got the guy who I would be in the rebellion just with the, 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 the signal things going out. We're going out. Yep. Oh, I'm not uh-huh. getting out from one of the ships. I'll be a land guy. Um, and so, yeah, they're taking off this cut into Luke as he's sort of readying himself for battle. And then, yeah, yeah. this great shot of once again our friend up in the crow's nest as everybody speeds off into the sky. Yeah, we get this big double wide page where uh, we get Princess Leia in the control room. We get all the ships taking off and them getting out into space, uh, I think, is a great use of pacing here. So we establish where everybody is. Yep. And then we get all our pilots checking in up there and the X-Wing wings start to open up, which always such a cool shot in the movie. Where Well, you got to lock S-Foils into attack position, Sean. That's just how those of work. Of course, man. Once again procedure that's my shit i love all that stuff where it's like this is how we do it um so red two here is wedge correct uh yes and red six is porkins correct both of those are nearly uh let us call them unrecognizable well porkins is a little bit (laughs) (laughs) he's got a double chin but does Porkins have a mustache in... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess he's got a blonde mustache here, and that's throwing me. Okay, the blonde is the thing about it that's that's weird. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, let me take a look here at Porkins. Oh, Porkins has kind of a goatee, actually, in the movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. I always, like, think of him as, the, like, a little bit unkempt. Yes. Uh, the great... By the way, the late, great William Hootkins mm-hmm. played Porkins. Mm-hmm. Who also played Eckhart in 1989's Batman, yeah, um, and he's the guy who sends Indiana Jones after the the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I guess he does have like a like a blonde. It's not beard. this though. This this makes it yeah. like into his flesh, and it is more of like a a sort of scruffier looking goatee. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, 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 he's the fat guy. They have fat. <laughs> But he's flying a starship, damn it. Well, I do love that they, they, hey man, this is a world where they are not body shaming anybody. He is 100% in there. Uh, He will die, of course, but you know, whatever, man. Look, uh, but they're going in. There there is nothing to indicate that that's Wedge. All right, yeah, that that's Wedge. No, because he's like, look at the size of that thing. That's the Wedge line in my favorite hope. My favorite uh, pilot by far. I love Wedge. Oh, yeah, 100%. But that is due only to Expanded Universe stuff. Well, and (laughs) and, and it's due only to Expanded Universe stuff, which stems from, I think, in the reverse, then when you go back to it, and I think where the Expanded Universe started is, he's just the guy who's in every battle, and you're just like, dude, this guy is a badass. He's survived every major battle. He's the only guy who has, like, the tie stamps on the side of his ship, and he also has two Death Star stamps. Yeah, where you're going, like, (laughs) wait a minute. It's like I said, I'm sure that's where that started too. Is you start to realize, like, wait, there's been one guy who's also been at every battle Luke's been at and has survived and kicked ass. And he's there. I mean, they do spotlight him in the celebration at the end of Jedi. 
Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, look, I'm not, I am not trying to diminish Wedge. Don't I'm just saying like no, no, no. This, this particular adaptation doesn't bring any attention to Wedge as opposed no. to the special edition one, which was like, you guys know Wedge, right? We all love no, Wedge. That makes so much sense because that was so Dark Horse and a lot of Dark Horse's stuff is about Wedge. Some of the best Dark Horse stuff. I mean, we'll talk about the Rogue Squadron stuff eventually, which is so much of my 90s Star Wars fandom was for that series specifically. Totally. Uh, all right, uh, we get Gosh. this huge, really complicated page next Good where they're Lord. diving in towards the Death Star. That and is epic. Yeah, it looks like they're diving at a computer motherboard. It really does. All of a sudden, <laughs> we're in Tron. Um. <laughs> oh, man, don't tease me with Star Wars Tron. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're still in the middle of a writer's strike. You saw that thing. They were like a week away from starting to film Tron Ares. When they you got mean the Tron movie that's never going to happen? They were the director was like, we were a week away from rolling cameras, and then the strike hit. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> damn it! That that's that that movie is cursed. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> Bummers. I love Tron. Uh, all right, yeah. So there you get. So they're flying into the grid. Um, <laughs> and I love once again. I love all the because another of course big influence on star wars was world war ii movies right yeah and when we cut into the imperial guys with this massive what looks like an old anti-aircraft gun basically yeah and they're just I mean, letting loose one of the famous stories of like the original edits of star wars is before any of the special effects stuff was done yeah lucas would like literally take old plane footage from world war ii and cut it into yeah. scenes to give you a sense of the motion kind of like what they intend to have and the final thing look like the, there's some of the documentaries show this where you can actually see the side by side of what he was cutting in and like just replace the x-wing and make it space and the camera movement is exactly the same it's very cool yeah um the uh, people if you want to check out a movie called the dam busters uh that in particular was a big influence and you'll see a lot of star wars type action in that movie mm. uh with in terms of the aerial combat stuff uh all right so uh everybody's going in and then yeah all, once again all this stuff is yeah so I fantastic mean- this is going to be another issue where we're kind of just cruising through pages because a lot of it is dialogueless and it did a lot of it is just like quick cuts of the action, but it's conveying the action so well and so purposefully. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, if you're not watching us on YouTube, highly recommend come join us over on YouTube so you can see these panels as we move through. They're, them. they're gorgeous. And like I said, the chaos of it, the violence of it in a way that I'm not talking about like violence in terms of gore, but just in terms of the explosions, the intensity uh, you really feel like, holy crap, these people are really outgunned here. Um, uh, we get this whole sequence here where it's like, Luke, pull out, as he's like being awashed in white light. And there's this great. boom. Love and that. And then we get Biggs uh, really concerned, like, oh, are you okay? And Luke being like, I got a little cooked, but I'm all yeah. right. And more gurning as we go into the Death Star. And once again, you've got just a guy in a uniform next to a goddamn ghost in black you know <laughs> he is the flying dutchman right he, he is really is <laughs> it's great man yeah. uh get the crews their fighters and i mean once again and the motion of it, take them ship to ship once again the art style of this implies like there's all these people we're in the middle of battle and they're sending everybody to this and over there and there's stormtroopers running i don't know what the stormtroopers think they're gonna do i guess they're readying for in case there's like uh, an incursion that- 
yeah, they don't know what's happening. For all they know, these guys are like going to take out a section and then suddenly another ship's going to come in and they're going to yeah. board a bunch of rebels onto the Death Star. Like, there's the what if. What if the rebels like do a tactical landing on the Death Star? I mean, uh, Rise of Skywalker tries to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, anyway. I know, I know, I know. I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Stein that contract saying I'm not allowed to talk about it anymore. Uh, Porkins blows up. <laughs> Sorry, Mario. What an offhanded statement where it's like, yeah, okay, we get to this next page and cover me, Porkins. I'm right with you, Red 3. And then, yeah, just boom, Porkins blows up. Porkins looking like Mario blows up. <laughs> and Porkins goes up, man. Yeah. Look, uh, we get this punch in from Luke where he hears a voice saying, Luke, trust your feelings. Again, this is going to read as hypocrisy for me, but this is an instance where they have no indication about why Luke is hearing this voice in the comic book version of this. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that in the previous issues, whenever Obi-Wan has said a line that will eventually be repeated as a force ghost, they've punched in on him and devoted a lot of time to those lines. They also... Yes, and I think that was, uh, but I also like here that they make it these sort of like emanations as opposed to like word or thought bubbles. It's almost just like mm. a thing. They're doing all they can, right? Yeah. Because the only other thing is to literally do like a translucent Obi-Wan right. that could have had an actual ghost. That'd be tougher in black and white, I feel like, because everything is already so white and just lines. But, and it would also diminish the like literal force ghosts we yeah. have later, but I right? Like at least they give a sense of, oh, it's an ethereal voice. Yeah. And Luke with this look of just like, what the fuck? Is something wrong with my helmet? It's it's, it's still weird once again. And also it's still going of we we know because you're not reading this if you haven't seen the movie. But right. it is the best attempt at doing this that I've seen. Mm. Because uh, it's not, like you said, it's not literally a thought bubble that could be kind of... Right, right, yeah. I mean, like, I think in, in, in a couple of them, it just seems like... <laughs> it's like, is there someone in the X-Wing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're being chased by TIE Fighters. Here they come. More explosions. I love the, like, sidewinder kind of, like, yeah. trails of the, the X-Wings flying past. This is doing a lot of what we were talking about. I think that, once again... To just keep shitting on that special edition adaptation, but it, <laughs> how can we not? Because we saw them so close together in there. But this is doing so much of what uh, we complained about on there, which is really conveying the motion, really yeah. making you feel. Because you're looking at static images on a page, they're trying to convey what is hyperkinetic action in a movie, and this does such a better job of it. Uh, and it's something I think we'll see when we get to the more modern Star Wars comics. Of even though they're not manga just as art style improves and artists get more experimental, more modern Star Wars comics do a much better job of conveying this level of action. Totally. I mean, I know a comic you and I are both a fan of is the recent Marvel Poe Dameron comic. Yeah, I think great. it does an excellent job, especially with the, the, the spaceship battling stuff. 100%, and that's so key to that. And I think we'll see that also even in the Rogue Squadron stuff. Totally. Um. So we still get now we got Vader going to his TIE fighter. Several of the fighters have broken off from the main group. Vader being like, I'll handle them myself. Which is once again, I'm just putting myself back in like we are I don't remember where in I don't remember ever a time of seeing the first Star Wars without seeing the other two. Like I think we we've talked about Star Wars has always just lived as this trilogy to us. I can't yeah. to think 
of watching this movie in 77, all of a sudden this guy who seems to be some sort of higher up in the military, has magic powers, can lightsaber duel, and then now he's going to go get in a ship and be awesome too? You're just like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> uh, this guy rules. Um, uh, Biggs can't shake him. Luke can't shake him. Nobody can shake anybody these nobody days. Nobody can shake anybody. Boy, I had... Uh, did you have... The, I had the... The X-wing toy that had sayings from the movie. Oh yeah, of course. And one of the buttons, I can't shake him. Yeah, one of the buttons was can't shake him. The other one was he came from behind. <laughs> Red five going in. I remember those were the three. <laughs> can't shake him. Can't shake him. Um. Yeah, I heard that so we much. Get this big double page spread as uh, Wedge does get a name drop here as he saves Luke. Good job, Wedge. <laughs> Thanks, Wedge. <laughs> Which rules, man. Um, of course. Yeah. And so, but I do love all the explosions of the ships. I just love the fire and stuff coming off of them. Every ship that explodes, you're like, oh, man, that thing got blown apart. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of good, like, fine detail ship work in this that can get lost in depending yeah. on the artist. But obviously, Absolutely. the devotion of time here for A, it's a black and white comic. So, like, nothing is getting lost in any kind of coloring. It's all about shading and fine detail line work, which Mm -hmm. really exemplifies. Well, let's go to this next page. Look at uh, Vader and his tie versus the other ties, and they're coming in. Wow. You know, uh, the. Love me a tie advance. I love this design of tie. And once again, a a shout out to whoever's doing the the lettering and specifically the choice of the sound effects because the. implies and it's tr- it's it's something that the sound design that's so much a key to the Star Wars is there's a different sound to the imperial ships when the ties come in yeah. it is this whining like oh shit uh thing that's totally different than the sort of humming and vrooming of the X-wings mm-hmm. that I think no. they really capture here it's one of those things you don't really think about until you are it's pointed out to you yeah. and that is like the explicit differences in the sound design between even like how the the blasters fire between the two sides is purposefully done differently as to differentiate them and so many lesser science fiction movies of this era and a little bit later will not be as detail oriented and that's why they feel a little bit cheaper a little bit lacking you yeah i mean because certainly we see after this movie after star wars comes out there's a deluge of just a billion star wars copies and maybe two of them have any sort of like flash gordon has a, a certain iconography to it but yeah and that's that is, working on a pre-existing ip yeah and, even that's pulling that's 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 literally them going oh here's the thing that inspired star wars and we're gonna pull so much from the comic strips and stuff like that but like you've got your battle beyond the stars and star crash and shit oh, like you're going forever about star crash yeah <laughs> But where you're just going like, you guys have no idea what made this work. I mean, even well, because they're, the they're also Star Galactica. A lot of them and Battlestar Galactica, I think the original is such a uh, interesting uh, watershed moment in the idea that like studio executives and a lot of like people in charge of making things really didn't understand what it was that made Star Wars special. They just saw, oh, it's a space movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, and what a space movie is, 
is different from person to person, and all of those things don't necessarily equal a Star Wars. It's literally Paramount going, don't we have a star thing? Can we make a movie? We have a star franchise sitting around, right? And that, that leads <laughs> to Star Trek The Motion Picture, the worst Star Trek movie. Come at me. Come at me. I swear to God, I'm the biggest Star Trek fan out there, all right? And mm-hmm. I cannot defend that movie. Uh, and I know it has its fans, but I'm sorry. That's a very hip opinion. If you enjoy that movie... More power to you, but boy, 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 it's <laughs> tough to sit through. Uh, and that's saying something. But yet, I love Star Trek Five, so you know. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I'm about to say, John, you're, you're the one who dis- defends Five. So I'm just saying the fact that I defend every other one. Yeah, got to speak to something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, speaking of defense, we got Vader uh, defending oh. the home turf here. God damn, he looks cool in his Tie Fighter. I love this next page where we just get like him in the tie cockpit, just swathed in shadow. Oh man, I'll take them myself. Yeah, they're really. This is the thing where it's like, okay, you're doing things only a comic book can do. Like once again, don't try to be the movie. Don't try to do things like this where it's like, oh, you can feel it. It's evocative. It's doing something. It's being interesting art. Oh, it's so good, man. Um, I don't want to capture. Yeah, and we get Vader just wrecking these Y wings. Mm Hmm. Uh, can't maneuver, too close, stay on target, loosen up, boom! This Y-Wing just goes up as Vader takes him out. God, yeah, like I said, every explosion here is so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet you're just seeing Vader wrecking everybody, because this, yeah, we see the... We see that go up, we see another Y-Wing explode here, and you're just like, boy, everybody's dying. And then, oh, oh, the most evil-looking Tarkin on this next page. Look, because this is this is the moment of like primeval hubris, right? Mm-hmm. This is the Tarkin's folly moment. Yeah, because this is where they ask, like, should should I have everybody ready to evacuate, or should evacuate? I have evacuate your... in our moment of triumph? Now, this guy isn't even saying let's evacuate. He's just saying, should we be prepared for a contingency where uh-huh. you should leave? And it is just yeah. where he's just like, are you kidding me? I'm about to be the guy who's going to put his foot on the throat of this thing. Yeah, I need because no. I think that's key here. It's it's not even about destroying the rebellion; it's about I need to be seen as the man who destroyed the rebellion. Yeah, I got the Death Star like up and running. I destroyed Alderaan. I crushed the rebellion, and this all happened within forty eight hours. Do you think there's a scenario that Tarkin would have eventually tried to take the em- the Emperor? I mean, we'll get to some what if comics later, but like I think I mean, Tarkin. I feel- is perfectly aware of the fact that the Emperor is kind of playing his own game here, and, like, when out in the galaxy among the, like, Imperial Navy, Tarkin is in charge. He doesn't need to sit on a throne. That's, maybe that is the thing, where it's like, yeah, that guy is just, let him, let him have the, the, you know, the, the, be the face of the Empire when everybody knows who's really running the show. He's almost like a, I mean, in the obvious, like, I mean, it's like so many of the guys under Hitler, right? It's like mm-hmm. Goebbels and stuff like that. Those guys weren't actually looking to be the Fuhrer because they knew they had the real power of that. Now, the difference is the Emperor actually does have power in vision, unlike an, an idiot like Adolf Hitler. Well, and I think that's also something with Tarkin. It's just like, also, I'm not a space wizard, so... Yeah, that's great. <laughs> he can do his fucking magic or whatever. I'm going to get the shit done. Right. And, and that's part of what makes 
Thrawn as a character later are really compelling, and I think we'll get to some of the the Thrawn novel adaptations later. In oh, we definitely will. I, I'm I'm a big fan of those. Um, is that he is like a realpolitik commander who is just like I'm concerned with what a an individual can do who doesn't have space magic oh, and man. what you can accomplish via totalitarian dictatorship. Boy, do I love Thrawn, man! Oh, cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, real, <laughs> real cool guy is what he's known as. Uh, all right, so let's let's go uh, in here. We got Dodonna getting all concerned. We got our uh, X wings going in because the gold team is down. So this, Red Leader's got to take care of base. This zooming of the of the trail of energy off of the engine, so cool. Wild yeah. stuff is exploding once again. There's just so much going on. I think that's a big thing. That, that I'm so struck by, especially in comparison to the 70s comics. Look at how much is being conveyed in the same moment. It makes it seem like all this action is happening all at once. I love this next page as, like, Red Leader goes in because we have the cannons firing. This third panel down here at the bottom left of the page where it's literally just blur lines and you can't even really tell what's going on. But because of the context around that page, you know that some of those lines are blaster fire, some of those lines are actual ships, and some of those lines are the walls of the trench. And that's how fast all of this is coming at you. Absolutely. Oh. It's, just, it's very good. It's great stuff. And <laughs> we're just going to slobber over this for the rest well, I mean, of the and, and, and once again, all the, but like focusing on the little moments, the, the cutting to just the firing of the cannon, the ba-booms. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, they're, they're choosing these moments that it's little touches like that that really make it feel alive and intense. And it, it, it has that feeling of watching a movie where you're cutting to this and that and over here. It doesn't, it isn't just sort of these flatly presented pages that we've seen in some of the other stuff. Right. The special edition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, he's got to stay on target. Vader's yeah. coming in. Uh, they've got a couple. I love this in a couple of pages, this shot of Vader coming in with like the white streaks and the, the black outline, like the negative space of creating Vader's mask here as he's taking out uh, the, the people following Red Leader here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, that, um, I, I want that on like a metal band T-shirt. <laughs> another great explosion, and I gotta say, I also love go to the go to this. Another great panel is the all-encompassing of Vader's interceptor right behind. Oh yeah, no, Luke. That, on the next page, that's like, so oh, good. Shit. It's a monster movie. It's like Jaws, man. It's just yeah. like it, once again, it, I don't know that the size difference is actually like that between them, but the expressionistic nature of this giant thing enveloping you. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so and cool. That giant thing is Vader. As, yeah. Yeah. He's taken out another X-Wing. Red Leader's about to get in. Uh, he fires. He gets his shot off. And we get this uh, quick panel of there's an explosion. Everyone's like, huh? And then, no, it didn't go in. It just impacted on the surface. Yeah, so, yeah, we see that it's a hit. Everybody's negative, just impact on the surface, as we said. He's flying out of there. Everybody's like, oh, shit, that was our chance, man. But, okay, Luke's still got a chance, right? Right, because Vader takes out Red Leader. Now, seemingly, the only people left are Biggs, Luke, and Wedge. Yep. And you know this because you cut to each guy in their cockpit and then cut to... Ooh, a smugly satisfied Tarkin. Ooh, look at him. Roll base, one minute in closing. This is it, baby. Here it is. Uh, yep, this, the final Tarkin. 
and so yeah, there this continues uh, in on the stuff, just like Beggars Canyon. Yeah, except you're going too fast, look, you won't be able to pull out in time. <laughs> uh I was just gonna say, except for we don't know what the hell any of that is. Um it's a canyon back home. Yeah, you know. but it's just like we don't we don't care about <laughs> so sorry, Biggs. Uh and so yeah, we're exploding. Lots of babamming and ruining and zadding. Yeah, uh, this next double page spread is another example of just like giving us all the context we need for this huge image up top of just like, holy crap, we're barreling down this corridor. The really conveying speed here as we show each of the different pilots, Biggs, Wedge, and Luke, being basically forced back into their chairs, I think is something they, do, they did really well in this comic. And it's yeah. something you can kind of lose in static adaptations of this. Absolutely. I said the 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 speed at which this is conveyed, that's to me is one of the highest compliments I can pay, particularly anything that's that's uh, presenting action in a comic book, right? It's just the idea of like my eyes just going wham, wham, wham. Oh, you know, it's just, you know, the, the I know some people talk about the, the appreciation of the art is being able to sit and look at it. But on first read, if I'm just zipping through a thing, it's because it's so compelling and so well done. Uh, yeah. it's it's an interesting dichotomy where you want it to be this gorgeously rendered thing but you also are still telling a story that is going from here to here to here to here well and that was part of the compelling nature of the original star wars movie right it was just like seeing something move that fast on screen never and, been done really not yeah. like that certainly not in a space thing Right, exactly. So, like, that was part of the reason why people got attached to this movie, because there's just the sense of just like, holy shit, we're in the cockpit with Luke and we're I racing. Saw, I saw an interesting thing. Uh, a, a Chris Nolan was talking about movies, as as he's wont to do, but he was talking about Star Wars. He does that from time to time, yeah. And he was saying something about, or he was going like, if if the perception of Star Wars is that it was successful because it's a great story, that's missing, like one of the vast majority of its appeal. He goes, it is a great story. It's a great classical story, but it is about the sound, the feeling it induced in people. Because it is yeah. it is so purely the hero's journey in such a classical sense. It's actually an incredibly simple story. But it is about the reason people kept going back is because they never experienced anything. It was the experience of it. All the, all the story and character work is sound. But it is like, oh my god, I have to just live in this again. I have to soak in this again. Because he was talking about the obsession with everybody talking about plot holes and stuff today in studios sure. really being so built on like well, structure, structure, structure. You go like, boy, that is really missing a vast majority of what filmmaking is. Well, and I think the, say what you will about this other franchise, but I think the only movie to really capture that sense in recent history has been the Avatar film, sure. right? Yeah. Of just like that, that that's changed how we felt about being in the theater in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the Avatar films almost, you know, don't even need to try with their story. Not only do I think, not just because I, I don't think Cameron's a great writer, but it's like clearly the appeal is just the rendering of this and the transportation. I think Dune also did an amazing job of that yeah. too. I th I th like that movie really, like I left the theater and was almost like, wow, I'm like back on earth. I, I, I've mm -hmm. been somewhere else. Um, totally. So yeah, that is, that is, uh, it's true. It's, that's the thing about it is like, yeah, Star Wars is actually, as we're talking about, it's a mix of this and that, and it's adding classical sort of mythology and Campbellian stuff into it. But then on top of it is just, it's so 
uh, enveloping you in it. Um, boy, you talk about incredibly expressionistic when Vader like becomes the fire and speed lines here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get the ties coming in. We've got uh, Luke swooping away, get clear wedge. Um, and then, yeah, Vader becoming the speed lines as he's about to take out Biggs. Yeah. Um, and big and being coming doomed by fire. Right. Man. Uh, we don't get the Luke reaction to Biggs' death, which I found interesting. Yeah, because even the comic didn't give a shit about him. <laughs> but it's just like, that's yeah. the weird, like, dissonant yeah. moment in the movie is when yeah. Luke reacts to Biggs dying. And if you're watching the movie, you go, wait, who? Well, is that guy he kind of knew from back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's sad. I mean, objectively, that's sad, I suppose. Yeah. Sure. But, like, even this comic, which has oh. been, like, pretty good about including everything, it's just like, oh, look, we're moving on. We're, this, we're moving too fast. <laughs> it still can't get the enthusiasm up to make anything else of it. It's still just like, I don't know, man, that just won't land. So let's move on. <laughs> the shot of Vader with I'm on the leader is just oh. like, okay, he's common. Yeah. No, yeah, it is. He's he's a real monster in this book, which I think is great because that's I love Vader as a figure of fear. Um, they, they did that. Uh, was it Dark Visions? That comic Marvel. Oh book? yeah, that was that, fun. That's all just people's perceptions of him and stuff like that. So, Didn't that have the short story where it's like the one attendant on the Death Star or the Super Star Destroyer who was like super obsessed with yeah, Vader and, and had this whole like parasocial relationship with him in her head? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That, that was good stuff. That's really. I mean, th- we often praise the the recent Marvel stuff because I think overall. Generally, it's been really good. Baseline, yeah. really solid. Um, use the force, Luke. Let go. Let go. Yeah, we get this like big sequence of like the star field and, and the way it's like hearing... stretching out. It's almost like, I mean, once again, it's sort of similar to that moment we talked about in the last issue with Obi Wan's death, where it's almost like we're in Luke's head as like the world is slowing and you know, it's, 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 it's something a comic is actually very hard to do in a comic. I think, um, David aha does it really well in the Hawkeye run too, where it's like, mm. the, the, the knocking of the bow and stuff like that. And the slow, all of a sudden the world starts to slow and we're in the perception of this character. I think that does that here where suddenly the trench stretches, the stars are coming. Well, and the trench is still coming at us with speed, but like the fact that we stretch out into the stillness of the starscape is kind of this. I, I like this uh, juxtaposition of like the stillness of space and the stars and the speed and the ferocity of the trench itself and kind of like the balance of that being a representation of the balance of Luke connecting with the force. Absolutely. No, this is talking about art degree stuff here. Yeah, man. Um, and then here, once again, the, the, on the next panel, or the next page, all these panels, but in the center is just Luke with the trail of energy coming off of the engines as all of this is happening, implying, once again, it's very smart. It's like these cutaways to, okay, all of this is happening in the motion of him running the trench. Uh, we get him turning his computer off. The people on the base being like, what the fuck is he doing? I love the beard guy's expression on this like third slash panel of just like, uh, Luke, you've turned your computer off. Is something <laughs> wrong? <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know if you happen to notice your computer is. No, no. 
He just turns into Milton from Office Space. If turn your computer back on, you could do the thing. Uh, we have R2 being shot here on the bottom of the page. Yep. A, a horrifying moment for all. Uh, of course. Uh, and then, video, but. yeah, and then, uh, okay, oh boy, I have you now. We're into, uh, you know, Tarkin gave the order to fire. They're, of course, in classic fashions, we talked about, I don't remember which one of them, I think it was the, the which one of them didn't show the reactor ignition and stuff like that. That was very, oh, um, I mean, that was the 70s one because, like, they didn't. They didn't know that that's stuff. like, yeah. yeah, an incredibly, and, and they wouldn't obviously know that now that's like an incredibly iconic moment for us. And, and once again, right. love procedure and how things work. Um, right. You know, so, yeah. Uh, because in this next page, we do have like people pushing buttons and the guy, the guy who pulls the lever. And it's like, it continues to be this like, here, 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 we're cutting there, which is doing a thing that once again, it was annoying because it was done so uh, poorly in the special edition adaptation was cutting into the Death Star, cutting out to the Death Star. It didn't make sense. Here, you're actually getting the sense of this is happening, this is happening. It's all building the tension of it. And then, yeah. yes, the all dark, but the white eyes of the white slitted eyes of Vader. And the, I have, the, you, I now. have you now. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that stuff. And then, and then boom, he gets hit, and it's the, the TIE fighter blows up. Uh, the the Falcon. This is another classic, like face outside of a ship that's moving yep. moment. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's great, and the way that the 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 speed line. It's it's the white and the lines that make Han, and then the speed lines going through the black of his uh, hair and vest. Yeah, with his Yahoo. <laughs> uh, it's great, man. And uh, what we don't get is my favorite part of that in the movie, which is the what. Uh, we get it on the last page um, because one of the TIE fighters blows up on this bottom panel after Vader says, I have you now. And there is oh, a... It's it's a what from... Yeah. I mean, and, and you're not going to get it because you're not... I mean, that they do put it in, but you're not going to get just that like that moment. He's like, what? Yeah. Love it. Uh, all we really get is Vader turning briefly in the bottom of the Han reveal page. And then uh, his wing tip touches another wing tip, which causes Vader to go spinning off into space. I love the way that it's this like spiral effect on Vader. Yeah, That's yeah, it's very like trippy, like '60s art. They're doing a lot to convey the motion, and then the 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 spin it spinning out trail of Vader swirling away is very cool. Yeah, uh, we get the the big splash page here of Luke taking his shot after Han says, "Now let's blow this thing and go home." And I do like when we're cutting into. Everything's firing, everybody's flying away, and you get, as you do in the movie, that one last smug shot of Tarkin before he gets blown to hell. <laughs> stand by, stand by, everybody flying away, Tarkin looking smug, then Love it's just it. far shot of the, de the Death Star, little pop, and then boom, off yeah. this page here the of just like the light cascading. The build on it is great because you do get the, it's just, you get the spark of it. And then the full magnitude of it exploding. Yeah. I love the highlights of Yavin and Yavin 4 just like blossoming uh, mm -hmm. with the Death Star explosion behind them. Yep. It's so good. And they're flying away. And then we have our heroes flying out of the the wake of the explosion. Mm -hmm. And everybody's uh, happy except for Vader who's just cloaked in darkness. 
<laughs> How long have you been flying around out there? Oh, you've got to smell like a footlocker. <laughs> yeah, we never do really get the story of like who picked him up and <laughs> how long was he out there. What do you I, mean they blew it up? Yeah. The hell's an <laughs> aluminum falcon? That's my favorite. <laughs> Hello? The robot. Yeah, the robot chicken sketch of uh, Palpatine picking up the phone. It's getting Vader. the call. What? <laughs> hell's an aluminum falcon. Um, no, no, no. It's fine. It's just you're telling me a bunch of fucking teenagers blew up the Death Star. I love Seth MacFarlane's Palpatine voice, not because it's like incredibly accurate, but just his comedic take on Palpatine being like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so everybody's back together. They're happy and celebrating. They did it. Hooray. I knew you'd come back. Well, I wouldn't but, take you, wouldn't let you take all the credit. But, oh, no, R2's in trouble. And you can tell because on his screen is a swirling, like, hypnosis effect. Well, that's the classic, it's the manga trope of just, like, somebody who's super out of it right, is going, always going to have swirlies in their eyes. Wow. Yeah. And 3PO is crying, even though he's a robot. Ah, he's expressing emotion. No, um, I didn't. Yeah. Um, uh, hard cut to this uh, map painting of all these guys in the background. <laughs> I do like, once again, the clicking of the boots as they're walking. It's all, you know, just not nice touches like that. And there they go, yeah. That, that, the, last, the last three pages of this are just like... It, 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 is, it always strikes me just like how abruptly A New Hope ends. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they go down there, they get their medals, everyone's happy, R2's all better, everyone's smiling, people uh, are clapping for the heroes. I love the, the uh, obviously, so much of this is, is, when you talk about the abruptness of it, so much of it is done through William's music, because his uh, medal yeah. ceremony music is, is epic and incredible. But yeah, <laughs> the movie really does end with like, eh, you, you, you want to see some more of this? Mm-hmm. Something that's just striking me right now. Mm -hmm. Why isn't Wedge also getting a medal right now? Well, <laughs> yeah, man. Everybody talks about Chewie. <laughs> Chewie at least is up there, man. Wedge is yeah. on the damn stage. I'm saying, like, he yeah. made it back. Yeah, man. You, I mean, he and he did as much as Han did. Yeah, hundred percent. So, man, I am tired of Wedge Antilles erasure. <laughs> goddamn tired of it That's but yeah four. then we get this last page the end it's over the end. it's episode 4 A New Hope the end thanks everybody uh, yeah so that was the manga adaptation of Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope we've done it John yeah I know you don't read a lot of manga you don't what is what are, what are your takeaways from this well, I, like I said, I think the thing, and it's something I've been saying through this, the thing that makes this the most exciting to me is it's the most unique. It actually feels like somebody is bringing their take on it. It doesn't feel like they are being slavishly devoted. They're also not rejecting what's there either or like trying to like, well, we're going to do our version of it, you know, and, and mm. go our own way. But it really feels like somebody who loves this movie is, is is using their art form to express it and to present it in that way. And I think that's why it is the most exciting because it's the only thing that feels like it isn't just like, well, we're here because they want a comic of it. Even yeah. if they were contracted to do it, it almost feels like somebody going like, I know how to do that. That's going to be cool. So I feel like mm -hmm. there's so much more passion and love and detail in this than there is in the other adaptations. They really feel 
like, well, we just got to kind of do this. Like even the Marvel one sort of feels like, well, we got to do this and then we'll get to our own thing, you know, or right. the, the new hope one, the, or the special edition one really, really feels like we just have to get this out right now. I, I don't care. Like this just needs to come out on this date. This one really feels like I'm going to make the manga version of Star Wars and I'm going to use all the strengths of manga to convey this movie. Because it's very hard to translate a movie to the page, obviously, because you're losing a lot. So what they're doing is by going like, okay, well, if we're losing all these things, what can we then gain and do differently and present the exact same story? So it really does feel like a translation and a true adaptation as opposed to just sort of presenting stuff. Well, and I think a big part of that, we talk a lot because one of, I think one of the cornerstones of our even like take on Star Wars as a comic book is this balance between art and commercialism, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's inherent in the subject matter we've chosen totally. to discuss. And a big part of this particular adaptation is you're already limiting your audience of who could consume a thing by making it a Star Wars thing. And you're limiting it even more by making it this very specific cultural adaptation of a art style of comic books that Western audiences who would be the most familiar with Star Wars are maybe a little bit hesitant to put their toe into because of these like cultural tropes and the trappings and the art style that is maybe a little off-putting to people. Yeah. So to not play on its strengths and to solely be a commercial venture, why would you even bother making a manga adaptation to begin with if that was right. the case? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. And that that's very much like why would I I really felt that was particularly with that special edition adaptation. It's just like, why the hell? This is just a worse version of the movie. This is, I'm almost not even comparing it because, oh, I see what they're doing. They're telling this movie story in this form. Yeah. This has a reason to exist. The other one does not. I, I joked at the top of the episode, but I really do think so far, this is my favorite adaptation in comic book form of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Totally. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. To the point where, like, I want to go track down a physical copy. We read this digitally, but, like, I would love to own this. I mean, I'm not going to go there, but that's that's sure. that's fine. Uh, I have a manga shelf. You don't. Right, exactly. But, I, like I said, I do. But, but as I've been saying to people, if you were going to, if you're looking at, a, if you're asking us, if there's one to own, it's this. I, I don't own the other adaptations. I don't really, That's even right. beyond manga, I don't really buy adaptations of stuff. But I think this one is, like I said, the art in it, the representation, regardless of its telling of the story, just their renderings of characters and sequences are worth having as just a piece of art. It's really nice. It's really well done. And I think something, I'm, I'm, one of the things I want to track as we've talked about this sort of commercial versus artistic debate is... One of the big things, when we're doing the 70s stuff, Star Wars is brand new. What mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see is as we get into the 90s and then the 2000s, there's going to be more people like us who grew up on it who are creating it out of a love and nostalgia for a thing. And I think that's a totally different treatment of it than either people who have been contracted and, you know, I don't know about the people who made the special edition adaptation. That was clearly like under the gun. You have to do this. You don't even have time to think about it. It's just got to be this thing. Or, like I said, the 70s, where it's like, <laughs> Star Wars, uh, or if you read the Marvel history book, um, which I highly recommend, um, 
they bought it because nobody else wanted it. And they were just like, I guess this is cheap. And maybe somebody will be interested in the space. And Marvel movie. just needed to take any job that they could get. They just need to take and they were basically like, bankrupt. And all they had, they literally go, there's some space movie shooting in the desert right now. Do you want to do the rights that they're like, oh, I guess, I mean, people forget there was a 2001, a space odyssey comic, which is sadly <laughs> not on the app. I think due to uh, the, the rights for it and it's not available in any reprints. I would love yeah. to do a series about that because it's Jack Kirby who did the 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey comic, and it is crazy, crazy stuff. And I believe it like hues pretty close to the book too. Yeah, well, because it's similar to Star Wars in that like the first whatever chunk of it he adapts the movie, and then he just yeah. goes off, man. So it becomes Jack Kirby's take on Arthur C. Clarke mythos, and it is nuts. Um, yeah, I, I can't recommend that enough. It's just But so it's harder hard. to track down, yeah. Yeah, because it's a Warner Brothers movie and now it's Marvel, which is owned by Disney. And so it's the same thing with a lot of the Marvel Star Trek comics that I keep trying to um I I if, if you ever see me digging through back issue bins, I'm looking for old Star Trek comics. <laughs> because Star Trek uh, you know, uh, Star Wars has gone from Marvel to Dark Horse back to Marvel. Star Trek has been at Marvel, DC, uh Malibu. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, it's currently at IDW, you know, it's, it's Star Trek has been all over the place. So, wow. Uh, we've got a couple more, I wouldn't, I'm not even going to call them adaptations, but like there's a couple more takes on new hope that we'll be covering in comic book form. Uh, but those will be a little bit down the road. We've got the infinities version and we've got the, the star Wars, which I'm curious. Yeah. That, that I, that I read right when it came out and I haven't revisited it since. Um, Uh, but we'll get there eventually. For now, we're going to go back to the 70s for a while. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where are we Where are we going with the 70s, Gargani? Uh, we are uh, just about, we're at the cusp of getting towards Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so we've right. got a couple of arcs before we get there. But uh, we Vader is finally back in the book. So that's a big uh, yeah. turning point for the comic of just like, oh, wait, this comic has a bad guy. We forgot about him for a Our while. Our boyfriend's back and there's going to be <laughs> trouble. <laughs> you know it. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a uh, uh, Darth Vader meets Valance, the bounty hunter crossover oh, here pretty man. soon. Yeah. I've been waiting for them to get back to Valance, too, because they set up that character is so cool. And I do. I have read other stuff with that character. So but like just his introduction was so awesome. And then they haven't done much with him since. And we'll be, uh, we'll be getting some. Well, I'll I say know, that much. I, need the, I mean, I know he has a book now and I can read about his adventures every month over at marvel but uh it's true uh but for now i think that's going to do it for uh may the panel be with you obviously the best way to support us if you want if you're watching us on youtube you can click like follow subscribe you can comment down below Uh, let us know what you liked and uh if you decided to buy the uh, manga adaptation if we have so swayed you and yeah ring the bell if you want to hear all of the updates yeah uh, from Oh, us over here at Punch Up Entertainment. And support us on our Podbean patron page. That's patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Uh, there you can support the show as well as get cool exclusive uh, episodes from all of our shows. Yes, indeed. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us over here at this show. Uh, and for now, I've been Mike Rigoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. you.